Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Norris. Do I am good already? This Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have a lot to talk about today. All kinds of leaks of upcoming GPUs that almost inevitably you will not be able to buy because, you know, 2020 wanted to make sure that everyone suffers equally. That's the only other way we can describe it. We've also got some early comparison reviews between the Xbox Series series and the PlayStation 5. Well, just in general. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just cover that one right now. Anyone who's trying to say that the Xbox is better than the PlayStation 5 or the PlayStation 5 is better than the Xbox... Who cares? Besides fanboys of the Xbox or the PlayStation, who actually cares? It's just going to come down to which set of features you want more, which games on that are exclusive to each platform you want more. And that's pretty much it. There, It's like comparing my freaking... What's a good example? It's like comparing my car to a work truck. And not really. I'm trying to think of a good example. What is it like comparing? Actually, in the car example, it's like comparing a freaking uh, F-150 to a Dodge Ram. They're both pickup trucks. They're very similar. They'll both get the job done, and it basically comes down to which do you aesthetically find better and which feature set do you want more? Nobody cares other than the fanboys of Dodge or Ford. Chat says, what about the Switch? Or what about Wendy's versus McDonald's? The Switch, honestly... Nobody's really comparing this switch compared to the X to compared to the PlayStation or the Xbox just cuz it's way too wildly an animal. It's like comparing my freaking car to those two pickup trucks. Actually, no, it's like comparing a bicycle to those two pickup trucks. They both are all are used for transportation, but one has a much wider like a, a much more different use case compared to the others. And as far as Wendy's versus McDonald's, I mean, what the heck do you want me to say about Wendy's versus McDonald's? Wendy's is obviously far superior. Get over yourselves. But in any case, not that it matters because it's getting to the point with the way the scalping has been getting where scalpers have confirmed they have over 3,000 launch day PlayStation 5s. Just this one scalper group over in the UK is sitting on more PlayStation 5s than quite possibly all of the retail stores in a small state in the U.S., have combined. This is getting disgusting. First off, 
first thing first things first when it comes to scalping do not under any circumstances buy anything from a scalper when it comes to any of this sort of stuff do not buy a playstation 5 for over 500 dollars do not buy a graphic card for over the msrp or I, I, I really rephrase that do not buy a graphic card for over for what for 100 or more over the msrp Unless it's like a special limited edition sort of thing. Because there are a whole lot of partner boards that are like $30, $50 more expensive because they put a beefier cooler on them. But I digress. Because eventually, one of two things is going to happen. Either A, supply is going to vastly overwhelm the wallets of these scalpers. And as long as you don't buy the scalped products, they don't have more money to spend on more scalping. Shocker, I know, but eventually people's wallets at some point run dry. And then at that point, the supply overwhelms, and then you have a glut of all these scalped products. And if there's any sort of justice, they have to then sell them at a loss. Because, of course, scalpers are not reputable vendors. And everyone's going to say, oh, that's not how it's going to work. That's not going to work. Listen to me here. <laughs> Listen here. Yes, it will. And you know what? Yeah, you may only be one person. You, the person I'm talking to right now, all however many of you. But if just one of you goes and violates this philosophy, then this, then this kind of behavior, this scalping behavior is encouraged, and it then flourishes, and it will expand to more than just graphic cards, consoles, and all the other stuff that they go ahead and scalp. I mean, the thing is that scalping has been a thing for a while and usually in the tech space the only time we ever saw scalping really in in any sort of noticeable amount was iPhone releases also what does it say that we haven't had an iPhone shortage in a long long time Chat says, wait until we start having a, uh, a toilet paper shortage again and the scalpers then swoop in again. Oh my god, that was awful. I hated that. With the fiery passion of a thousand suns. Someone in chat says, it's my console now. No! Bad! Bad! Bad. No. Also, what the heck are you going to play on a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X right now anyway? Miles Morales. Actually, there was one uh, game on the PlayStation 5 that's an exclusive there that was um, showcased. It actually looked really good. I can't remember what it's called now. I think it's called Pathless. That actually looked like a really solid game. I mean, it's not solid enough for me to go shell out 500 bucks on a PS5 and also $60 on the game. But, you know... 
There is that. Oh, Demon Souls. That's another good one. I'm just saying. Be patient. Do not, under any circumstances, support scalpers. Because I hate to break it to you. If you go ahead and buy... How much is a... Let's... You know what? Live experimentation. Let's go ahead. Let's go to ebay.com. Let me go. Go ahead and type in the search box. Play Station 5. $2,000. First hit. $1,800. Fifteen hundred dollars, just shy of a thousand dollars for the digital only edition. This is awful. This is disgusting. Just for fairness, let's also check the Xbox Series X. an auction going up to $720,000, for a a piece of paper, saying, don't worry, we totally have one. No. Just no. Don't do it. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. For funsies, how much is a RTX 3070 going for that I just mistyped? Oh, closer. 750, 830, 800. 3070, by the way, is a $500 card. 900, 750, at least that's closer. I'm not going to lie, though. I actually do want to get a 3070 and the Founders Edition specifically. But I will wait. Speaking of other things that are absolutely deplorable and no one should ever do ever. Comcast! That's it. That's the that's the whole story, Comcast. I don't think I need to say any more than just utter the words Comcast and everyone will know exactly what the story is. Is that bad? Is that actually bad that people are going to be like, "Yeah, that's that's all we need to know." All right, you actually want to know what Comcast did this time? What heinous sin Comcast has created? Well, besides existing, Comcast has decided, as everyone contemplates whether they should or shouldn't just live life in their basement until 2020 is over. By the way, leaning more towards the answer being should... Comcast has decided it's going to be slapping its customers with a 1.2 terabyte data cap. 
6.2 terabyte cap. Now, granted, by comparison, I just pulled up my little status page. On the on my streaming computer alone in the last 30 days, I have consumed 509 gigabytes. And granted, my usage is going to be heavier than most because of course, as a content creator, I am constant I am fairly regularly outputting a lot of data. Roughly 3 megabytes every single second. But here's the other thing. That's just this one computer. And I'm just one guy. What if you're in a family? Now, how much data has my phone used? Then let's say I I also had, you know, a wife and two kids. How much data are they consuming? 1.2 terabytes. That's not hard to hit. It really isn't, especially in a world when you can't go out to, say, see a movie at the movie theater. You have to go ahead and teleconference to school until that kid then also figures out how to alt-tab and have World of Warcraft going in the background while they're at school. I'm telling you, that is more common than you'd think. And you probably already think that's very common. To go ahead and slap 1.2 terabytes to help lower congestion, is Comcast being about as tone deaf as to the state of the world as they possibly could be? And yeah, they might have actually gone gone and done the research. They might have actually gone through and figured out that it's very, very rare for that that it's rare for any household to exceed 1.2 terabytes. And this is just to have the power users like me go and lower your internet usage. So here's my question. What good does it do? I'm being honest. Let's say for a second that I go ahead, I manage to somehow find a way to lower my inner usage in half, and then I guess the other half of the time just twiddle my thumbs because I have nothing better to do now because I can't go outside, I can't go to a movie theater, I can't go be social at a bar, even though I never was in the first place, 
But, you know, all that's gone anyway. So I guess I just sit at home on, in my recliner and twiddle my thumbs because I literally have nothing better to do because Comcast decided I need to lower my Internet usage. All right. What good has that done? The only thing it has done is made people even more angry at Comcast. And the fact they do this at a time when more areas are considering locking down. Heck, what 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 was it I just saw on... Uh, before I went live, there was actually a, uh, a state just issued a lockdown order here in the U.S. And it's already off my... Now trending page on Twitter. Thank you, Twitter. The thing is, is that these data caps, they have very, there has been no successful research that shows this helps relieve congestion. And let's pretend for, let's pretend for a second here, Comcast, that there is a congestion problem, all right? Let, let's pretend that for a second. Let's pretend there is a massive congestion problem. Doesn't that show more about how inferior your setup is? Because I hate to break it to you, but internet is not like a bag of chips the internet is more like a highway it's not like there's a limited amount of internet if i go and eat too many chips it's not like there's gonna, not gonna be enough chip, internet chips for the rest of the world that's not how this works Honestly, this, this, I really do encourage people. And you know what the worst part is? There's a lot of people that have no choice but to go with Comcast. And then they just go ahead and say, you know what? F you. Someone in chat says in rural areas, no, in cities too. I actually, I actually have heard quite a few people. Cause the thing is, is now, Granted, I have heard, like, the ISP I use. I use Spectrum. And anytime I mention Spectrum, I'm willing to bet someone's going to say it in the chat right now. Someone in the chat's going to say it right now. I hate Spectrum. They are so bleeping bleep, and they bleep, 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 bleep. But here, in our area here, Spectrum is phenomenal it has been fantastic the only complaint i have is that i wish the upload was more stable i also wish there was more upload i cannot recall ever underline ever hearing from anyone that Comcast is fantastic where I live. Never has that ever been said. In fact, actually, my personal favorite, 
if you go ahead onto Twitter right now, And type in Comcast. The first that you get is Comcast. Then Xfinity. And then their technical support Twitter feed. Which, by the way, I swear is 100% robotic. Called Comcast Cares. And I remember. I remember that there was one time I was tweeting with a number. With, with another streamer about uh, the poor service that Comcast had. And their freaking Twitter page replied to mine saying, oh dear, we're sorry you had this experience with Comcast. Uh, Please DM us and we can take care of it right away. Comcast isn't even available in my area. just straight up isn't and my entire tweet was 1000% talking about their policy in a totally different area there was no way anyone could have read that tweet I'd have to go back and dig it up now and think that I was talking about my own experience with Comcast (sighs) it is just Awful. Just awful. Almost as awful as what happened with Amazon Web Services. You know, maybe Amazon Web Services was 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 actually I said with the Times. They wanted to make sure that the most likely fictional congestion that Comcast was trying to prevent didn't happen so they took their entire web services servers down so for those who are unaware earlier this week the amazon web services went out and quite a lot went out with it it was that in fact on wednesday i remember because i was trying to return something to amazon and i saw as i was processing the uh the return there was an option to say call tech support now I'm just like, you know what? Let's go and give it a shot. Let's go ahead and see if the if this uh, supposed Amazon professional tech support can help my compatibility issue. I doubt it, but let's go ahead and see. All right, I go ahead and take a look. They straight up said, yeah, we can't do anything. We don't even know why we're answering the phones. Uh, We can't offer any kind of technical support. Our entire system is down. We can't even process the return for you. Can we just call you back at a later time? And I say, okay, fine. Just call me back next business day. It's completely off topic, but then they decided next business day was Thanksgiving. slow freaking clap and better yet 8 a.m on thanksgiving so i didn't have any of the product that i was trying to return on me it was in the office it was just ugh. that was terrible
But yeah, the service went out so bad, it actually caused devices like Roku to not work properly at all. And the Adobe Cloud Creative Suite to also have some major issues. And, um, well, all Amazon had to say about it, as everyone else was just saying, we're working with AWS as quickly as possible to solve this. Um, guess what Amazon Web Services had to say? Our web servers are encountering a larger than expected number of errors. We are looking into it as quickly as we can. That that's it. The mythical cloud goes down, and all the problems come up with it. All the cloud that was going to save us all from having big-brained computers next to us goes down, and your answer is: we are experiencing unknown errors. What what else do you say to that? The next day it was up and running and everything just proceeded on as though nothing happened. But, you know, this is kind of one of those moments that do make lunatics like me that go ahead and collect, that, that collect, you know, off-lease servers from places like Amazon Web Services and build their own personal cloud. It makes us look slightly less crazy but only slightly we're gonna take a quick break here when we come back i have yet another very interesting and very worrying amazon story coming up next Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever, ever heard of Amazon Sidewalk? No? Honestly, me neither. This was kind of something that uh, slipped under the radar for me but what amazon sidewalk is is that it basically uses many different nodes built into your various amazon devices including your ecosystem which i have somehow not triggered my own despite saying the word echo there it went And what it does is that it basically creates a small mesh network. Now, someone in the chat says they announced this like three years ago. And it's quite possible we covered it here on Eagle Eyes on Tech. And I literally can't remember. Mostly because, well, 
it's been three years, and also my memory is kind of odd the way it works. My long-term memory is pretty, pretty good when I actually want to remember something, but my short-term, well, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Oh, wait, no, I actually do. I digress. Basically, what it is is that your Amazon devices connect to each other and to your neighbors, and it creates basically a small Wi-Fi-based little mesh network. So that if there is an outage, these devices can continue to operate based on that. So what's the problem? Well, a couple problems. So first, remember how earlier we were talking about how Comcast wants to implement a data cap? On more people, and uh, they are jerks for doing so. Well, Amazon Sidewalk's not helping that. Yeah, you're da- you're just using more data, whether you like to or not. It's out of your control now. Yay! Oh boy! Uh, and then, of course, well, there's a there's security aspect of this. But Amazon has great web services. How could they have a security problem? Well, first off, a couple of things. One, the Amazon security system and their cloud infrastructure is not bulletproof. I refer to you the story before the break. And then, of course, there's one simple little fact no network is bulletproof it's it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when is Amazon's sidewalk cracked and then of course because Amazon's sidewalk connects your own home network to all of your neighbors' networks and then their neighbors' networks and their neighbors' network. Well, if you were, say, some sort of crazed lunatic who takes hit, who takes their network very seriously to the point of having a dedicated server room, not that I know anyone like that. I had a new one today. Um, and you go ahead and make sure you have the most careful security and control over your own network and what is allowed to use what well then all of a sudden a sidewalk network a mesh network that connects to others and an exploit found in that is a giant gaping hole in the security you just set up heck it's a giant gaping hole in the security that you that's already set up that you don't even know about Many of these routers already have various firewalls and other security methods already built into them. And I know I probably just said some part of that incorrectly because as contrary to popular belief, networking is one of my weakest subjects when it comes to IT. So you're thinking, what's the big deal? I just won't use Sidewalk. 
Did you know it's on by default? I didn't. You probably didn't either. But it is. It's kind of uh, not really talked about a whole lot. But, oh, actually here in the article it says the Amazon sidewalk was quietly announced last year. Neat. I didn't even realize that in this article. But anyway, I digress. It's, uh... It's it's pretty concerning that uh, this is a thing. Now, fortunately, I'm kind of glad that the Echo devices I have here in my small little apartment are old. Like, pretty old, actually. So, not really an... Wait, actually. All right, there's one I need to take a look at, but I digress. It's supposedly not supposed to be an issue. Supposedly. But I just say, hey, this is a potential huge security vulnerability. And the instant, the instant a vulnerability is found, this could be a major, major problem because they're all connected to each other. Oh boy. We'll have to see how well that goes. And if you think that this kind of security thing can't happen, I present to you how Baltimore County Public Schools were all completely shut down all thanks to another ransomware attack. (sighs) Slow freaking clap. And this is even worse because this ransomware attack, well, it hit all the teachers' computers that were working from home. So classes canceled due to the entire virtual infrastructure of the Baltimore County schools being unable to host virtual classrooms because some jag wanted 600 bucks worth in Bitcoin, which by the way, holy cow, has Bitcoin just kept going up in price. It is absurd and disgusting. What actually is the price of Bitcoin right now? Price that I now spell with two P's of Bitcoin. At the time of recording this, it has... Oh, it actually dropped a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean the last time I looked at it was at just over 19,000. It has dropped to 17,840. Yikes. That's a $1,200 drop. Actually, no, that's a a $1,300 drop. Ooh. 
Yikes. I actually, I'm, I'm actually now curious. What is the price of Ethereum? Oh, dang. This currency converter only has crypt, only has Bitcoin as its uh, cryptocurrency of choice. Ethereum is up to... Oh, Ethereum dropped too. Ethereum dropped 50 bucks. It's now it's now 546 at the time of recording this. Man, I wish I was dumber when I was in college. I really really do. I never thought I'd say that. Because, man, if I went ahead and spent a dollar on Bitcoin back when I was in college, I'd freaking be living in a mansion. Chat wants me to go check on what the current price of Dogecoin is. I, If Dogecoin is worth more than a dollar, I'd be shocked. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Dogecoin is currently worth... Three-tenths of a cent. Chat says if your Bitcoins weren't stolen between now and then. I mean, honestly, I would have probably sold my Bitcoins at about 900 and then hated myself again. Like, I'll be totally realistic. If I was dumb enough to buy Bitcoins back when they were like basically free and I saw them at 900, I would have sold them all right then and there. There's no way I would have been willing to go higher than that because there's no way I would have thought, oh, yeah, it's going to break five digits. I would I would have thought it would have broke a thousand, let alone 10,000. And there it is. It almost broke 20. Still can't believe it. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, how Microsoft is stalking people. Wait, no, that's not what we're talking about. Well, that's what we're talking about now. Microsoft has introduced a new feature into Office 365. For those who don't know what Office 365, it's basically Google Docs, except Microsoft and better. But also worse, because it's Microsoft. Also, you pay for it. Mostly. I think. I digress. Microsoft has has implemented a new feature into this. They call it the productivity score. You see, in the world of working from home, you have a bit of a problem. You see, anyone while they're working can just go ahead and um, while working on something else on the main screen, just kind of alt-tab over to World of Warcraft and just kind of fire it up real quickly and just go ahead and just do whatever. And therefore, they're actually not getting any sort of real work done. And that is a huge problem if you're trying to go ahead and continue this work-from-home mentality where everyone can still be safe, but you still need your business to be done. So Microsoft found the problem. They found a solution. Productivity score. You see, 
you can now, as the manager, remotely monitor how much work your coworkers are actually getting done, and it'll give you a score that your technologically illiterate self can understand and can then grade people on how well they're working despite not being in the office where you can judge them in there. So in that regards, I can see where this can be helpful. On the downside, holy crap! This is a... Whoo! Literally, literally, just leave it up to an algorithm to justify on whether you continue your job or you're fired. In fact, actually, in my own line of work, for those who don't know, I run a small commercial laundromat. We go ahead, we bring in laundry from all sorts of clinics, hospitals, hotels, restaurants, well, not restaurants anymore, and of the like. Then we wash them, we dry them, we press them, and then send them out. I have seen how bigger facilities run. You want to know how bigger facilities run? Bigger commercial laundromats? Everyone's first off in scrubs, for starters. And that's that's par for the course. But the important thing is that you are basically at the mercy of how fast the machine runs, and then a giant LCD screen that has a red light, green light, or, or a yellow light based on how well you are keeping up with the machine. Morale in these places is super, super low. Because, of course, every single person is no longer a person. They are now just a machine. Just like I am a person that is being interrupted by a phone call. In any case, uh, now that that phone call is done with, this sort of keeping up, it kills morale. And that is one of the problems that Amazon is facing right now, is the fact that everyone's got to keep up a certain level of efficiency that it is killing worker morale. And then on top of that, there's all sorts of other rumors that I cannot confirm at all about them all. But man, there's a whole, the the number of rumors that come out of the Amazon workplace facility is, uh, it's harder and harder to say, oh, it's just one guy having a bad experience, but I digress. Introducing this kind of productivity score thing is just, it can be a deal breaker for a lot of workers. To know that a freaking machine algorithm determines whether you get a promotion, a raise, or termination affects you rather than your actual end result on the job. So I don't know. I'm not a fan. I am not a fan, as you can most likely tell. 
We're going to take another break here, which seems odd because I just had to stop live for that random phone call. But when we come back, I want to take a look at what is coming up in Microsoft Windows. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, Windows 10. An update is coming soon. However, there are leaks and rumors of a new feature coming to Windows 10 that nobody in their right mind wants. You think you might want it. You think there might be a good use case for this. But I think you know better. I think you know better. The feature is called Cloud PC. Before you see Cloud PC, in theory, will let you use the power of the cloud to have a PC remotely that you just link into the cloud in order to use, and therefore you would not need a giant tower next to you and instead you could just use the power of the cloud to compute instead of you know having a giant heat monster sitting on a desk next to you don't you like the sound of that there probably are i mean in all fairness there probably are a few clients who would find great great use out of not having their system right next to them and in fact there could be as someone just mentioned in the chat plenty of places that if this worked well enough could see it going hey you know this could save us a ton of money on just not buying freaking a couple hundred hundred or thousand dell machines or hp machines or whatever however there's a couple Actually, as far as the giant corpse who don't want to buy 5,000 Dell machines, the problem is that they're still going to end up buying 5,000 thin clients. And you'd think there's a cost saving with that, but, uh, woo, you would be wrong. The only time that that sort of thing would actually save is for a, um, What's the... God, words. Why can't I think of it? Workstations. Using a high-end workstation computer as a... As a... uh, Not having to buy a, a workstation and instead buying a thin client that remotes into a workstation. But then again, a lot of those big corporations also love control over all their stuff. So they would still most likely still get the computer so they have full control over it. Wait, yeah. No, for a giant corporation, they'd still go the old-fashioned route because that's better security and that's worth way more than whatever savings there would be. Who is this for? The other question then also is, would it be a... 
Would it be the ability to... to use Microsoft servers they have in the middle of nowhere? Or would it be to cloud log into your own personal cloud system running on a Windows server box? The more I think about this, the more questions that arise and the more I realize I don't understand where this is going. Now, if it was Apple, it'd be obvious. It's so that, all right, here's a Mac Mini. Go log, in, go log into a real computer. Done. Chat then wonders some of the same things I am, that if it is logging into a cloud service, can you configure the VM? Is it using VMs that are configurable? If so, hey, you could get a very Chromebook-like experience where it is just different every time you sign in with with almost little to no need for an IT crew, crew. And that's true. That's one of the main reasons why Chromebooks, despite the fact they are a vastly inferior machine to literally any other kind of computer except for a thin client running Linux, that's why they've dominated is because you no longer need the IT crew to manage a server room and a, manage Novell and a bunch of freaking other computers within the entire school. It's just have Chromebooks done. I am both worried and curious how cloud PC will come through. The next thing that's up also is Windows 10 being able to install and run Android apps directly on the operating system next year. Interesting. I could see some uses, but I kind of wonder... I have to then immediately wonder, um, is this only going to be available on Windows 10 for ARM? Is this literally the next step of the armification of all PCs? Or is this just an Android emulator built into Windows 10 and running just like that? Or is this both? There's been more and more instances of Windows trying to buddy up closer and closer to Android. In fact, there already is a feature built into Windows that I guarantee you 99% of you have never looked at because you saw it in your start menu and went, huh, neat, and then immediately forgot about it. I definitely haven't done exactly that thing I just said. Why would you think I've done exactly that thing I just said? That's crazy talk. I always look at everything in depth, TM. So it wouldn't surprise me at all.
if it was a case of both, that there was going to be Windows 10 for x86 for the power users, but more and more computers running ARM ends up becoming closer and closer to the future. It's a very interesting space the computer world's becoming. And I even said it. I said it. I, how long ago did I call this? That the instant Apple Silicon was announced as a thing, it was going to start forcing the rest of the PC world to start favoring ARM more and more and more. Fortunately, AMD is giving me hope that x86 will still have a future and possibly a very good future as x86 is just becoming a pure monster. As far as performance goes. And Intel... Oh, Intel... You have a lot of work to do. There's just no other way to say it. Meanwhile, on the console side, Microsoft is discovering that uh, the Xbox Series X and Series X is being turned into a very, very good emulation box, all thanks to developer mode. Yay! That's what you really... that This is the real reason to go get an Xbox Series X. You get an Xbox Series X, so you have a small gaming tower that's not a gaming tower that you only go ahead and use to install RetroArch on and then go ahead and run emulated retro games on while you vape into it. How many more things can we do to to an Xbox Series S and X to absolutely tell Microsoft that we are going to use this in every single possible way that you absolutely did not expect it to? And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, because Microsoft is not Sony or Nintendo, this will most likely, as people in the chat are pointing out this will most likely never get patched out at all ever someone in the chat says they need to turn it into a point of sale terminal there you go <gasps> just do that too why not i honestly find it cool that the, that that this that this is done it's just like you know what you go ahead you go ahead and do crazy things and in some early tests The PlayStation 5 is outperforming the Xbox Series X, despite the fact that on paper, the Xbox Series X is more powerful than the PS5 in every single way, except storage. So, why? Is the PS5 actually better? Well... Like I said earlier in the podcast, it's pretty much irrelevant. The consoles are going to be what they are. 
It doesn't matter what the teraflops are, what the specs are, or anything. What matters is the content. And of course, because, well, I don't know if you realize this, but believe it or not, the Xbox Series series and the PlayStation 5, they do not run the same operating system. Shocking! I know! But because of this, various optimizations are just going to come down to how well they were coded and made to work on the various system. It's not like making a game to run on Windows 10 on the Vulkan API or whatever. It's going to run differently from system to system to system. And that's pretty much, you know, how it's going to go. Speaking of the gaming space, NVIDIA has quite the headline to uh, deal with. Supposedly, NVIDIA has sold $175 million worth of Ampere GeForce RTX 30 series GPUs to cryptocurrency miners. And this could also be, in fact, a factor behind the shortages of the RTX 30 series shortage. Now, first off, wonderful GPU mining. It's back again. Just what I always wanted. I love paying exorbitant rates for GPUs and then after I no longer need it buying a uh, a used GPU that has who knows how much 24/7 wear and tear on them because of course miners don't use quadro cards or anything of the like that are actually built for 24/7 use in their mining rigs no 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 they use the cheaper gaming ones for that because it makes sense but it also means that those GPUs are much, much more worn down. But here's the thing about it. 175 million is a large number, but you compare that to the $2.27 billion NVIDIA has gotten out of the gaming segment alone means that the mining that um it really doesn't look like on paper at least that the GPU mining segment being sold is all that significant but one other thing to also keep in mind is i said the gaming segment this means all the gaming GPUs not just the 30 series ampere cards keep in mind the 20 series is still being manufactured. You can still get them. And then on top of that, the 20 series being made for mobile as well. And then, of course, there's all kinds of other cards that you probably wouldn't consider gaming, but are still classified as gaming. Heck, technically, the NVIDIA SOCs that are sold in the Nintendo Switch 
also would be part of that gaming segment. Most likely, anyway. So, 175 million worth of new GPUs being sold to the Ethereum miners. Well, it is, it's not helping the shortage problem. And it's definitely not helping NVIDIA look good to the PC gaming space. That being said, though, AMD is not doing themselves any favors either. Because, I mean, it's not like there's AMD GPUs out there either. And the fact that uh, a lot of retail outlets, when the AMD 6800 embargo lifted for partner cards, those same retailers had zero cards to sell. You think NVIDIA shortage problem is a problem. Whoo! AMD is showing NVIDIA how it's done when it comes to card shortages. Slow freaking clap. Granted, in AMD's case as well, they're also manufacturing the CPU and GPU all in one chip for all the consoles too. That are selling for disgusting markups. Seriously, the scalping problem is not helping anything. That being said, though, we do have some GPU leaks. You know, uh, positives. Like, uh, there's more rumors about there being an RTX 3060 Ti. Even though it's probably going to be called the RTX 3060, and then later on there'll be an RTX 3060 Super or something. Yay. There's also been quite a few pictures of an RTX 3070 Founders Edition with an 8-pin connector instead of that crap, instead of that, uh, disliked 12 pin connector we'll, 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 we'll be gentle and call it disliked that being said I'll, here's what I'll propose to you I think the, the 3070 8 pin connector edition is the 3060 founder edition That's what I think. Even though there's no point because the 3070 only requires an 8-pin anyway. I don't get that. Why did they go with a 12-pin and then make it terminate in an 8-pin with the dongle? It makes no bloody sense. There's also rumors of an an RX 6700 AMD Radeon card coming out that it will feature 12 gigabytes of VRAM and also feature a stock amount of zero because in the year 2020 you you just aren't allowed to have nice things despite the fact that all year I have been telling what have I been saying since like 
freaking February of this year. Wait on GPUs. There's going to be really, really good GPUs by the mid or end of this year. And I was right. And now there's none of them. Actually, no, I was wrong. There weren't any because none of them exist. It's all on paper. Everyone who has a RX 6000 series GPU or a RTX 3000 series GPU are all in on the conspiracy. It is all a conspiracy uh, pushed forward by the Illuminati lizard people. Uh, Everyone who has a 3000 series GPU is actually a lizard person and um, something, something frogs. I don't know. I'm too awake to come up with something stupid. To, to continue this conspiracy bit. But on the bright side, on the bright side, the Vulcan API now has official ray tracing support. And in addition to this wonderful ray tracing su- support, we are given this very terrifying Spock robot picture from the TechSpot art- uh, article. I'm not going to lie. I I hate this robot. It looks awful. I do not like it one bit. But this being said, it does mean that more and more games are going to feature ray tracing. However, however, we do have a bit of an issue. So Vulcan, despite the fact that it is an open platform and is technically supported by both AMD and Nvidia GPUs it definitely prefers AMD GPUs kind of like how OpenSync or uh, not OpenSync FreeSync technically would work with both GPUs it was basically only supported by AMD it's very similar with Vulkan I actually did misspeak on the early bird briefing In regards to this, I also said there were three standards. There's only two. I had bad info when I did it. Oh, chat also says that don't worry. uh, Vulcan also supports Intel GPUs. Um. I, I apologize for forgetting that Intel also has GPUs. Oh, I'm sorry. They meant that Intel GPUs also supported FreeSync. I have a question. (gasps) Who cares about Intel GPUs aside from Intel? (laughs) I mean, okay, in fairness, the Z GPUs that are built into the 11th gen CPUs actually are like respectably good for an integrated GPU. But holy cow, it's just like, dude. Thanks to this brand new HD 6000 Iris GPU that may or may not be a real GPU that I may or may not have just made up by Intel. I can play the hottest, latest game at 120 frames per second 
and that game is Solitaire. Or Among Us. Actually, it would not surprise me at all if, like, the current Intel Iris Pro, whatever the heck it is that's actually available in the mainstream right now, only plays Among Us at, like, 30 frames per second. And Among Us is basically, a, is basically like, one of the best Flash games to play. Even though it doesn't run on Flash. I gotta say, maybe that's part of the appeal with Among Us. That that art style, man. That art style that just gives that wonderful, like, old school, frickin' Newgrounds feel to it. That and, the, that and it's actually a fun game to play. But I digress. Back to the topic at hand. You now have DX12 and Vulcan both supporting ray tracing. But here's the thing. It does create a divide. Because like I said, Vulcan for the most part prefers AMD GPUs. DirectX 12... It's just, it's it's DirectX 12. I mean, what more do you want from it? It, it, DirectX 12 is just going to DirectX 12, man. However, it leads to, especially with the hardware difference between how the AMD 6000 series does ray tracing and how the RTX line does its ray tracing, it leads to titles like this. Cyberpunk 2077 Ray Tracing will be exclusive to NVIDIA. AMD Ray Tracing support will be coming at a later date, TM. Also, Cyberpunk 2077 in general will most likely also be coming in a later date. I'm just saying it right now. Cyberpunk 2077 is supposed to come out December 10th? Question mark? I actually now can't remember when exactly it's supposed to... Yeah, it's December 10th! Boom! Actually remembered! Wait, no. Wait. Yes. No, I did read that right. December 10th is when Cyberpunk Cyberpunk 2077 is currently scheduled to come out. I'm just going to say it right now. It would not surprise me at all... If Cyberpunk 2077 is delayed again. It also, I would also not be surprised if it actually did meet its launch date. Because it has already been delayed twice. And they might just say, screw it, launch it. There it is. We'll patch more later. And of course, a lot of that's due to... Well, 2020 being 2020. And throwing everyone's work schedule up in the air, like you wouldn't believe. So, of course, things like ray tracing for AMD, that's going to be coming at a later date. You also have games like Godfall that will only support ray tracing with AMD. Just at all. So we're starting to see a bit of a fracture. 
when it comes to the battle of real-time ray tracing. All right. We're, we're, we're still a few weeks away from the prediction show, but here's, here's a prediction for you. Despite the fact that 2021 will be, as far as games go, the year of real-time ray tracing, more and more and more games will be selling the fact that they have support for real-time ray tracing. All right, 2019 and 2020 were the years that it's introduced. 2020 is the year where it's being, you know, really, really touted. Heck, everything except for the Nintendo Switch, as far as gaming goes, has real-time ray tracing. That in your Android phone, but let's be honest, you don't game on your Android phone or your iPhone. You think you do, but you don't. Don't lie to me. You don't game on your phone. You only think you do. I know. But that's what the case has been. I am willing to bet that 2021, despite the fact that real-time ray tracing is going to be a feature that is going to be pushed in every single game that's out there, It'll be one that fewer and fewer people care about because it is only going to be ray tracing that works on one platform or the other. And it's not going to be until about halfway or towards the end of the year that game developers really accept doing ray tracing for both AMD and NVIDIA across the board. But by then... I have a feeling all of us will be sick and tired of this game of, oh, well, it's only real-time ray tracing on this platform, only real-time ray tracing on that platform. The other thing is that also those games like Godfall that decide to do real-time ray tracing on AMD only are going to get really sick of uh, real-time ray tracing and just never do it because the performance hit is massive on AMD. Jat says, don't worry. Stadia will save us all and give us all the hardware we need. (laughs) No. No. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Intel is, uh, Intel is really showing that they definitely, definitely need to throw some people out. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. So Intel, because it has nothing better to do with its life, is unsure how the heck it's going to recover. And so while the engineers were all locked in their labs and are busy trying to figure out how the heck to CPU, because they have forgotten how to CPU since roughly... When did, when did Intel stop innovating? 2012? 2011? I'd say about Ivy Bridge was about when uh, was about when innovation kind of stopped at Intel. 
Chat saying about Ivy Bridge, Sandy Bridge, Ivy Bridge E, which is about the 2012 market mark. Oh, now I understand, because 2012 was when the uh, Mayan calendar was supposed to end, right? So Intel just stopped planning on making good CPUs past 2012. So when, when when it turned out the Mayans were wrong, or, you know, they just completely misinterpreted what that whole meant, uh, Intel was just caught off guard and just like, I guess we'll just keep doing whatever. That's clearly it. It's all connected. Stupidity aside, uh, Intel with no idea what the heck it's going to do looks at AMD and the fact that, well, the one place where Intel has pretty much held a very solid foothold is in laptops. Yeah, AMD might have taken back the performance crown when it comes to the server space. You know, 64 cores in one CPU socket is, uh, ooh, that's hard to compete with. I mean, just think about that. 128 CPU cores in a single 1U server. That's crazy town. How the heck is Intel going to keep keep up with that? Intel still has no answer to the Epic processor. They don't. And the fact that AMD absolutely slaughters, and I do mean slaughters, Intel and laptops is concerning. You would think what AMD is doing to Intel in the desktop space is bad. An AMD-powered laptop, if you can find one, and that's the thing, AMD laptops are very rare because the production just isn't there yet. But on an AMD-powered laptop, you can get 10, 11 hours of battery life with a top-end discrete GPU. You can grab a gaming laptop if it's powered by AMD and have the battery life of a thin and light. It's madness. So Intel trying to figure out how to uh, continue living despite the fact that it is bleeding profusely on the floor says, well, actually, the, the, the AMD battery performance is because they sacrificed a bit on performance. They only do it when they need to. You see on these benchmarks we that we specifically go and curate and tweak the, so that ours comes up on top. We come up better because AMD did this simple trick and actually Intel is the way to go for laptops. They released a press announcement to go ahead and put this out. And granted, it sounded way more professional 
than me talking in a very nerdy, snobby voice just now. But holy cow, does it look bad. Now, in, a, in certain conditions, the Intel-powered lap, laptop might be better. But let me give you this for a second. Intel is pushing out its 11th gen laptop processors. And it's barely taking back performance per watt from AMD. And it's doing it in such a thin margin that Intel has to cherry pick benchmarks to make itself look better. What's Mobile Zen 3 going to look like? This is against last-gen AMD mobile CPUs. What's current-gen going to look like? There are far too many people, and a lot of them are Apple fanboys at that, that want to accelerate the death of x86 and just say that ARM is the way to go. AMD is proving again and again and again that x86 still has a lot of life left into it. Intel, on the other hand, holy cow. What happened to you? You really really need to rethink how things are going if you expect to survive and be anything but an SSD manufacturer. And heck, while we're at it, someone in chat also mentioned, hey, by the way, you know those Epic CPUs with 128 cores and a single 1U chassis? Granted, that's with two CPUs. But think about this for a second. Zen 3 Threadrippers and Zen 3 Epic CPUs aren't out yet. And granted, Zen 3 this time around is more about instructions per clock, efficiency per clock, and single core performance over stuffing a whole bunch of cores in. But just let that sink in for a second. I don't think we're going to see a Threadripper or an Epic CPU with more than 64 cores. I don't think we're going to see a 96 CPU core, uh, CPU or 128 CPU yet. It doesn't look like AMD focused at all on having more cores per chiplet. But holy cow. Frickin' 128 CPU cores in one little 1U server that can do more 
per gigahertz than last gen and already already epic was making the intel scalable family of xeons look like an absolute joke I'm just telling you this right now, Intel. Here's what needs to happen. People need to be fired. Because the people that are leading you down the path you are right now, it's not good. It's not doing you any favors, and it's making you looking worse and worse and worse and worse. And you need to start getting those engineers working on refining your architecture. And they need to be doing it fast. They need to be doing it last year. And there needs to be some sign of life. Because, I mean, Tiger Lake is great and all. And it is a sign of some kind of life. Boy, Tiger Lake is like bringing a knife to a tank fight. Yeah, it's better than being unarmed. But holy cow, are you outgunned like nobody's business? And then on top of that, you have the Titan when you're talking about mobile chips of the Apple M1. Which, by the way, is just the first gen of the Apple Silicon. However, the problem with the M1 is that it's very difficult to compare to other platforms because of course the m1 arm processor only runs on mac os but you know you used to be able to install windows on macs all thanks to the power of a program called boot camp a program that was native in mac os so where's my boot camp well apple has said that windows can't Windows can run natively on the M1 Max, but it's Microsoft has to go ahead and change that. You see, ARM for Windows 10, or actually Windows 10 for ARM, you the current license says that it can only be pre-installed by the manufacturer. So because of this, they can't just, you know, leave boot camp in there and say, hey, go install your own version of Windows 10 for ARM because of that license agreement. However, let me ask you this. Why? Why would you do this? Have you not seen how Windows 10 for ARM runs? Well, according to some other people, it actually runs really well. And here's me doubting. I, I, I'm i not going to lie. I, I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. I doubt that Windows for ARM is going to run well on a Mac. Mostly because Windows before had trouble running on a Mac 
Not that it matters because everyone who is a beta tester for the first gen max is about to go ahead and be proven that you done goofed as there is rumors of an M1X SOC coming up for the MacBook Pro 16 inch and it outscores its M1 arm relative all thanks to the fact it runs 8 oh, I'm sorry 12 no God dang it. I forgot that these things that a- Apple has this bad habit of switching between the real core count and a fake core count. The way it the way that M1 works if you don't know, it ha- it has it uses what's called a big little architecture. It has four big performance cores and four little efficiency cores. The M1X has four little efficiency cores and eight performance cores to actually go do real work that the real big boys would do. But of course it means they have to go ahead and say it's a 12 core processor. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it because it's a lie. (sighs) But you know, that's kind of par for the course for Apple, isn't it? Just massage the numbers until it's you know, 3x better than the best-selling BS that you had before. Uh, what are you going to do? It's Apple, though, so we'll see. You know what I'm actually really surprised? I actually went back and compared uh, the transition from PowerPC to Intel and comparing it with how well Intel to Apple Silicon is going. You know what the first thing I noticed is? There are only two products in the Apple lineup when they transitioned to Intel that were cosmetically remained the same. The Mac Mini and the iMac. And the only reason the iMac got the only reason the iMac remained the same is because they released a G5 version that looked exactly like the Intel ones shortly before they announced the transition but otherwise these g5s that look exactly like the intel ones are very very rare the mac mini remained the same just because i mean the mac mini remain the mac mini i want to say it only went under what three physical changes realistically two if you don't count losing your uh your dvd drive as a change That's it, though. Four, if you want to close your eyes and pretend that the G4 Cube was a Mac Mini. G4 Cube actually deserved more love than it got, though. That was an adorable little machine. Especially the fact you pull a handle and and you just yank the entire computer out of its case like it's a nuclear core. It felt awesome. But I digress. Every other Mac computer changed its look transitioning to Intel the Mac Mini didn't change the MacBook Air didn't change and the MacBook Pro didn't change and in fact 
as far as features go, they lost features while gaining a, a fairly noticeable amount of performance and battery life. But that's it. I find that very interesting. And I have a feeling that uh, Apple was not ready for this trend, as, or as ready for this transition as they thought they were. I think they pulled the trigger a little too early. Anyway. Shifting gears radically, out in Utah, a very strange monolith was found out in the desert. Anyway, over in Europe, the the uh, parliament has voted for and passed right to repair in some minor way, shape, and form. This is a step in the right direction. But I do question how much good it's actually going to be doing in the grand scheme of things. The motion is, in fact, for electronic products that are sold to basically have published some method on how to repair it and its ability to be repaired. Basically, you're going to get nutritional facts, except it's going to be on the number of milligrams of screws in it versus glue instead of carbs and fat and sugar. But in another world where repairability is becoming more and more difficult, LG is showing off its patent for a rollable screen on a laptop. Ooh. Rollable screens are the new hotness. Ooh. Ooh. Chat is also commenting about how uh, more lawsuits are going to be filed based on violation of the right to repair thing. And yeah, most likely. Most likely. Though back on the the rollable screen laptop, I gotta wonder though, who wants to scary around a, a scroll? That's basically all the laptop's gonna be is a scroll. This thing unrolls from both ends to have the screen and the keyboard. I think it'll be kind of cool, and it definitely will be kind of an exotic thing. To go bring into a business room. Someone in chat asked, where's your CPU? <laughs> it's in the scroll. Where's your battery? In the scroll. Where's your GPU? In the scroll. What do you think it's going to run? Probably a dual core arm piece of hot garbage. 
one day all laptops will be like this and then I'll be super sad. Maybe Snapchat's spotlight that will uh, pay users a cut of $1 million a day for viral hits will make me happier. Oh, who am I kidding? I can't compete with cringe. No, never mind. I'm thoroughly depressed again. And also it means installing Snapchat. I don't think I want to do... Do I really want to go install install Snapchat? I mean, it is a cut of a million dollars. I could probably see a cool $7 out of that, right? I mean, hey, seven bucks. That's something. Eh, let, let's bring, let's instead shift to something more sensible, like the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the first country to do the correct thing. The Solomon Islands will be banning Facebook in the name of national unity. Hallelujah! We've done it, people! We've done it! We've found... We found a nation willing to do the right thing. Hallelujah! There is hope in humanity yet! And that's, that's the real question here. What does it take to be a citizen of the Solomon Islands? Do I need to contact Solomon? I, I, I'm just saying, world peace can be achieved, and all we have to do is just realize that Mark Zuckerberg is the wrong answer. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and please, I encourage you, check out the daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, a quick three-minute rant on a on the most current of tech news that airs every single morning at 4 a.m. and you can find it wherever you found this podcast iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, still don't know what the heck's going on over there, Spotify, wherever you can get podcasts. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. This actually happened right now. And now if you don't believe me that eliminating Facebook from your life is the key
to worldwide peace and unity among all people and animals. I literally got freaking 17 different Facebook messages notifications, and they're all spam and garbage. Follow in the footsteps of the great wise Solomon Empire. Ban Facebook. Channel all your hatred towards Facebook and realize its elimination in your life shall bring inner peace to all. Or something like that. I don't know. All I'm saying is that I'm fairly certain that Mark Zuckerberg would be the perfect actor for Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. They're both emotionless robots. Except Data is more curious.